0: Welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 424.
1: I heard years ago and totally believe that winners listen and losers wait until it's their turn to talk. And I try to remember that personally and I hope others around me do too.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews
1: with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection
0: of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable, Lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in, spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabyte dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jumpstarter to charge my phone tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Peter Mullen. Peter, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. All right. Great to have you here. Peter Mullen is the co founder and chairman of the board of M Financial Holdings Incorporated, a network of independent firms that serve the financial and life insurance needs of corporations and executives. His lifelong romance with the automobile, particularly French automobiles, culminated in the Mullen Automotive Museum in Oxnard, California. He owns one of the finest collections of French cars in the world, and the museum is a tribute to these cars in a spectacular setting for the public to enjoy. Peter sits on the Peterson Museum Board of Directors, along with numerous other organizations, universities, and groups, and in 2015, Automobile Magazine elected Peter as their Man of the Year for being the driving force of the newly redesigned Peterson Automotive Museum and his donation of $15 million to the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California. Peter, I have told our listeners just a tiny, tiny bit about your career and your life. Would you take a brief moment and share just a little bit more about your life and, of course, your passion for automobiles?
1: Sure, Mark. You've uh, correctly identified my business career, which is for my entire business life, been in the uh, executive benefits and insurance arena. So I kind of got involved in that early on in life at age 24 or something and never looked back. So that's been my career history. I started off actually uh, life as an art major at UCLA, realized pretty early on that I wasn't going to survive as an artist, so I switched to economics, which was one of the smartest things I ever did. It allows me, since I have that right brain part of uh, my makeup, uh, to uh, explore my love of art uh, through uh, the sculptural aspect of French automobiles. so that's kind of a link to how I ever got involved in the car world.
0: Well, it's really, really interesting because when you think about your passion for cars and how you look at cars and how you've collected cars over the years, and now you have this beautiful museum where you display this art, and it really is art. I love the fact that you were able to come back around to your original passion for art and integrate it into your life, and we're going to learn a lot more about all of that as we move along. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's it's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So, Peter, take the wheel.
1: Well, there's a lot of things I think about in terms of quotes. I have a few mantras that, that I like to focus on. I've always thought a couple of the rules in life. One is to get the bad news out early. Everyone makes mistakes. Covering up mistakes is a giant problem. So I encourage both myself and others around me to get the bad news out early. I also think about the difference between winners and losers. And I heard years ago and totally believe that winners listen and losers wait until it's their turn to talk. And I try to remember that personally, and I hope others around me do, too.
0: Boy, you know, those are two great mantras that uh, age-old. Swallow that frog, as they say, when something is uh, going wrong or something isn't right, just get it out of the way, get it over with, and move forward. And and being honest, of course, is a big piece of that. But uh, listening, yes, that is a very special skill. Something that many people need to learn more of. I love those. Those are great quotes. Would you share a story with us that that really instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment you can remember going way back when you really knew that Peter was a car guy?
1: Well, it might have started real early in my life, Uh, you know, probably when I was 9 or 10 or 11. My dad was a chemical engineer that worked for a mobile oil company. And so he used to take me to both boat races and car races, fundamentally because mobile oil was uh, sponsoring, you know, one of their special oil additives. And so he was there as an engineer and a chemical engineer to look at that. Uh, he used to talk to me about lubrication, coefficients of friction, and I used to look at, look at him and say, Dad, look, look at the design, look at the speed, <laughs> look at the engineering of this car. It's incredible. You're talking about coefficients of friction and, uh, lu- uh lubrication aspects. Uh, you know, get a life. So, <laughs> so he taught me a lot about how engines work, and I taught him a lot about how things, uh, Move and look good, and so I think we both shared something with each other,
0: yeah, I think so. It's a nice culmination of left brain right brain, if you will, of uh the engineering aspect and the beauty of cars, especially older cars. I'd love to talk a little bit about a challenge, as I like to say, crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty here and ask you to share a really big challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way. It could be in your career, it could be in some aspect of your car collecting. But the more important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that situation? What did you learn from it that our listeners could adapt into their lives?
1: Well, from a business standpoint, uh, you know, I took a deep breath and bet on myself a number of years ago when I was 25 or 26, which is to go into business for myself as opposed to rely on the salary from uh, an employer. And, you know, there's a certain amount of trepidation associated with that, which is uh, you're walking away from a safety net to uh, kind of bet on yourself. Mm -hmm. But uh, I concluded that uh, there really is no security in life except the security inside your brain Mm -hmm. so that uh, you're better off to bet on yourself than to bet on uh, someone else taking care of you. And uh, it turns out that that was a smart bet for me to make.
0: You know, it's a really important message here because many people think, Oh, I'll just go work for somebody. And yeah, there's that safety net and the job will always be there. But in reality, you're not any safer than you are doing your own thing. So obviously for you, you, you made the right choice going out on your own. When you were coming up with that decision, thinking back, uh, what are some of the things that went through your mind to, uh, to either persuade you not to do it or to persuade you to do it?
1: Well, I mean, the, the fundamental risk is uh, that, you know, you, uh, you you fail, and then where are you? If you've got, uh, you know, I didn't have any assets behind me, and so I had to li- live on what I could earn, and mm-hmm. so there's a certain amount of fear associated with that, on the one hand. On the other hand, there are no guarantees anyway, and frankly... If I failed, I'd rather fail on my own rather than be working for a company that failed, and I just got caught in the web. So, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like uh, taking a step off the high dive uh, the first time. You know, you look down, and the water looks a long ways away from you. Yes. And you have to decide whether you're going to walk back on the board or whether you're going to jump, so... You know, looking back, uh, it was a smart thing to do, but uh, there's some butterflies in my stomach at the time I made the decision, I can tell you.
0: (laughs) I'm sure there were. With a lot of the young people nowadays coming out of college, I've got a son who's going to graduate this summer. Uh, is there a, a word of advice for some young folks out there or entrepreneurs, or even people that are working in a career right now but wish they would do something more interesting and fun, particularly around cars? Is there a, a word of advice you can give them? Is it just that? Take a jump off that high dive?
1: Well, you know, I think, but it it all depends on your makeup and how risk tolerant you are. But I think for young people today to go to work for a smaller entrepreneurial company where you can make a difference early makes a lot more sense because your growth could be straight up if you show up on time and do a good job, as opposed to joining a huge organization where you're going to get lost down in the trenches forever. Mm -hmm. I would advise people that have any entrepreneurial spirit to Find a young, small company that you can make a real difference on.
0: Absolutely. Great advice. Let's shift gears here and go to what I like to call a career aha moment. It's a time when the lights come on and kind of illuminate your way for this new idea, this new direction that you had. And could you tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success?
1: Well, one of the questions I've uh, faced early in my collecting life was, so what am I going to do with a collection of cars. I'm passionate about them. I'm adding to a collection. What What is the long-term view here? Uh, and there's a couple of ways to think about that. One is to say to yourself, you know, I'm going to enjoy this during my lifetime, and when I'm gone, I'll you know give it to an auction house, and uh, they'll sell off these cars, and somebody else will have them uh, for their lifetime. Which is, uh, there's nothing wrong with that idea. A lot of people make that decision. Mm-hmm. The other approach is to say, no, no, I didn't spend my life Assembling a focused collection to have it disbanded the moment I'm gone. So that leads you to say, are you prepared to create uh, a museum that can be enjoyed by the public? And then, more importantly, are you are you prepared to to set up the adequate funding to allow it to continue on its own, even without you? Right. And you got to cross a you know a very fundamental bright line in, in that conversation with yourself. So I thought about that a lot and ultimately decided that I wanted to create something that the public could enjoy for a lot longer than than I'm here. I mean, most of the cars that we have were created before I was born, and they're going to be around a lot longer after I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So my job is to be an interim caretaker and to leave them in better condition than I found them.
0: A lot of us are very happy you've done that. The museum is absolutely spectacular. I love your guys' website. Uh, it's a great place for people that can't make their way to your museum are going to do that in the future sometimes. I I think the creativity of whoever helped you put that together was really, really brilliant. And uh, you were involved, you have been involved, continue to be involved in the Peterson Museum as well. So is there some correlation between the two museums in some way? Are there things that you bring from your museum experience to the Peterson or vice versa?
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, I've I've been a backer, supporter of the Peterson for years, but I became chairman two years ago, two and a half years ago. Uh, At the time that the Peterson was going to celebrate its 20th anniversary, and so the board uh, had uh, the notion that this was time to rethink the Peterson going forward for the next 20 years. So I came on board as the new chairman, and we embarked on a rather significant remaking of the Peterson. So, I mean, that was a big decision, a $125 million capital campaign, uh, redoing the exterior and the complete interior of the building, essentially dismantling the interior and recreating both more space and 27 new galleries and uh, tens and tens of uh, new exhibitions and uh, kind of changed the focus of the Peterson to being a global automotive museum, you know, right in the heart of Southern California, which is the car capital of the world. So our location was ideal, and what we wanted to do was create a a new museum, which is a museum of the future, not a museum of the past, Mm -hmm. and I've been thrilled to be part of that, and it links directly to our own museum because the ground floor of the Peterson, the first floor, is the Mullen Gallery, and I've Got a number of our cars in there that celebrate the automobile as art, and they'll continue to be a revolving exhibition in there to focus on the artistic aspects of the automobile.
0: Well, congratulations of what you and the team there have done. It's just absolutely brilliant. And Now, for those folks that aren't real familiar, Oxnard, where your museum is, is just a little ways up the road, just north of the Peterson, correct? Yes,
1: it's up the coast uh, toward Ventura. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's kind of halfway between Santa Barbara and Los Angeles on the on the coast.
0: And when you were building out the Mullen Museum, let our listeners know a little bit about when that museum was put together, when it was built, and and uh, maybe a couple little facts about it.
1: Well, I think we've been open now about five and a half years. Uh, it was an existing automobile exhibition space. that was owned by Otis Chandler, who was the editor-publisher of the Los Angeles Times. Mm-hmm. He was a major car collector himself, and this was where he kept his collection. So it was a purpose-built building to house cars. So when I was looking for where I'd put uh, our own collection in the future, uh, I knew Otis uh, pretty well, and I was familiar with that building. And after his unfortunate death, uh, that building was available, and I thought, what better idea than to acquire Otis Chandler's original Automotive display building, and then turn it into uh, to uh, a tribute to the Art Deco movement uh, because of the focus of our cars. Fantastic. So that's how Oxnard was picked, and it's a coastal city that is under development, and so I think I'm a little bit on the leading edge of a wave of uh, of new appreciation for Oxnard, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, I think you're right. It's a great location. It's a fantastic building. So. I encourage any listener who's out in the Los Angeles area to take the time to get up there and see this collection. The cars are uh, just incredible. Now, I assume you've had many, many proud moments in your long career, but is there one that stands out for you?
1: Well, in the car world, I'm sure the moment that stands out the most is, uh, you know, the opportunity to win Best of Show at Pebble Beach. uh, Yes. Which is, of course, the apex of the car world. And just being invited to Pebble Beach, uh, you know, is a great thrill, and you've already won just by being invited. So, right to end up at least once in your life having best of show is, uh, is you know, kind of the the, the crowning glory. And so that fortunately happened to us a few years ago with the uh, Boisin that you mentioned earlier. So that was certainly a crowning moment for me.
0: Would you tell our listeners a little bit about that vehicle because it is. It is such a unique car. Many people have probably not even heard of those vehicles. They've never seen one. The interior of that car, the fabric is just absolutely mesmerizing. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about the car, perhaps a little bit of history and a little bit more?
1: Sure. Gabriel Voisin was an engineer-designer in France in the early 1900s, and actually he was an airplane engineer and designer and fabricator uh, early in his career. Boison actually created the first flight uh, before the Wright brothers, believe it or not. As long as you define flight as being able to take off uh, from the ground uh, a man-powered airplane that could take off on its own, get off the ground, fly, circle, and land again.
0: Hmm. Wow!
1: Gabriel Boison did that before the Wright brothers could do that. Wow. And, uh, won a 50,000 franc prize for doing that in France, which was real money at the time. Mm-hmm. Although that historic fact has kind of been lost in history because people tend to attribute the uh, father of flight as the Wright brothers. Uh, you know, there's a serious argument that the father of flight is actually Gabriel Bazan. In any case, he, uh, built uh, 10,000 airplanes, uh, that were used by uh, all of the allies during World War One, and didn't actually make a car until the end of World War One. His first cars were like 1919 when he decided to turn his attention away from airplanes into cars. And so the automobiles that Boisong created borrowed from uh, airplane technology, so pretty leading-edge technology. Uh, he, in addition, was an extremely competent engineer who... Developed uh, landing gear for airplanes and utilized that to uh, create uh, independent suspension for cars. So a lot of the Voisin automobiles have very high-end engineering aspects because of the airplane technology. So uh, they're more cherished today than they have been historically. But uh, they're a very special car. I became a fan of Voisins maybe 20 years ago and. and uh, have collected a number of them and restored them. And um, you could say only a mother could love a Vosant, Uh <laughs> because uh, you have to get used to the way they look. Yeah, they're not your conventional look, but they're they're brilliantly designed and sleek bodies. And you know when you measure the coefficient of friction, meaning how how slippery are they moving through the air? You know they they pass with flying colors. So uh, we're thrilled to have been able to celebrate the life of that great man who lived to be 93 years old. Wow. Continued to design his whole life.
0: Well, they are, br- they are really, really unique cars. When you walk up to them, you're right. There's something different, definitely different. And I appreciate you sharing some of that really fascinating history. Some of those things I didn't know either. So really lovely cars. Let's have a little bit of fun here. I- I'm interested in this The answer to this question, because you have so many cars now, but let's go way back to your first really special car. That car that you finally got, that you went, oh man, I've wanted this for so long, i finally there. And maybe share a quick memory you have with that vehicle.
1: Well, the first car I bought, uh, I was uh, 15 and a half years old and uh, had mowed a lot of lawns and taken out a lot of trash for people to collect (laughs) enough money to be able to afford to buy a car, and I bought a 1953 Chevrolet Bel Air convertible, which I thought one of the sexiest cars around at the time. The 54 taillights were better looking than the 53, so I switched out the taillights to 54 taillights. That was the only modification I made to the car. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, a, a great car, a, a painted Sierra Gold. With the beautiful white top, and uh, I used to go to uh, to the beach with it, uh, with the surfboard in the back, and I thought that was about uh, to catch me out right there.
0: So. <laughs> Very cool. So you were a surfer in your youth.
1: Well, yeah. not, not I wasn't an avid surfer, but I, I surfed, yeah. You know.
0: Well, cool. something we share. I grew up in Southern California, and, and I love that. In fact, sadly found out today that um, Gordon of Gordon and Smith Surfboards, GNS Surfboards, we just lost him. My first surfboard was a GNS surfboard. So I remember uh, way, way back when. Is there a vehicle that you've let go? This is another interesting question for you, somebody who's had so many vehicles, but is there one vehicle in particular you let go that you really wish you had back? And I'm going to take out the factor of cost and value because cars have just gone through the roof in value. And of course, many of the cars you have are extremely valuable, but let's just talk emotion. Is there a vehicle that you let go that you just went, man, I wish I had that back?
1: Well, the first French car that I bought and restored with a friend of mine and then took to Pebble Beach, actually. Uh, It was post-war Talbot Lago T26 Record Cabriolet. And I sold it uh, a number of years ago in exchange for uh, buying another car that I wanted to add to our collection. And as I look back, I probably figure that I should have never sold that because it was the first car in the collection. and I should have just kept it out of the... Nostalgic reasons, if no other reason. I mean, it it wasn't a particularly highly valuable car, but it was the first one I worked on, and we restored. And we were invited to Pebble Beach with it, which was kind of special. So I probably uh, uh, regret uh, letting that one get away.
0: Yep, we all have one of those in our lives. Some of us have many of those in our lives. How about current projects? We're into the new year here. What is happening this year, 2016, at the Mullen Automotive Museum that really has you excited?
1: Well, we're going to open a new uh, ex- exhibition, uh, April 1, uh, which uh, celebrates uh, cars and carriages. And so I've been collecting early French carriages from the uh, 1900s that are made by the same manufacturers that made cars at the time. So that would be Labrudette, La- La Million uh, uh Bugatti, Renault, and so I have uh, cars of that period and carriages of that period, and there's an interesting transition when you look at a, those early cars and you, uh, look at, you know, they're horseless carriages. And so the difference between the car and the carriage is that you know one of them's got an engine, the other one had a horse. But uh, <laughs> yep. but, but the designs are very comparable, and so there, there's a you know a transition of learning right there, which is how carriages became cars. And so I thought it would be very interesting for the public to see original carriages and then original cars of the same period built by the same manufacturer to see where the crossover technology happened. Okay. So we're opening that exhibit uh, equal one.
0: Fantastic. How long will that run for?
1: Well, it'll run uh, through the end of the year.
0: Fantastic. Great. Can't wait to see that. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Peter. If you were a car, not the kind of car you want to be, but if you were a car based on who you are, what kind of vehicle would you be and why?
1: Well, I'd definitely be a Bugatti. If you say why, you know, it was kind of the ultimate of uh, engineering and uh, racing success. Uh tour Bugatti was as interested in what went on underneath the hood as he was in what went on outside of it uh, in terms of the external shape of the car. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, during the thirties, I mean Grand Prix Bugatti's won probably seventy percent of all the races. And uh, you know, they're kind of iconic in their history and in the history, frankly, of that family, uh, Carlo Bugatti, Ettore, John Bugatti, Rembrandt Bugatti, Lydia Bugatti. I mean, that was a family full of incredibly talented artists and artisans. You know, one of the few in the probably the history of the world that had that many tremendously artistic members of the same family. Mm-hmm. So if I if I had a choice, I'd come back as a Bugatti.
0: Perfect. I think that'd be perfect for you. Fantastic. So Peter, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Peter, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Best automotive advice I've ever received is don't compromise on provenance. Uh... <laughs> yes. Explaining away uh, a checkered history of a car, uh, the carrot's not worth the chase.
0: Be, <laughs> like be sure that.
1: that you know that your what you're buying is real. It's not almost real. It's not partially real. It's not arguably real. It is real. Right. And therefore, you don't ever have to look back. So I would say go for originality and don't compromise.
0: Perfect advice, especially from a collector who has been collecting for as long as you have. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years?
1: Well, I think doing your homework is uh, is a habit, uh, you know, that uh, I think is very useful. It's kind of an obvious thing to say, but uh, digging deep on homework before you decide to buy something is smart. Yes. And then uh, you're never 100% sure, so when you're when you're kind of 85-90% sure, take a deep breath and move forward and bet on yourself. Uh, is kind of what I believe in philosophically.
0: Yep, as we said earlier in our talk, jump off that high board when you're ready. Do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I realize there are a lot of them out there these days, but one place do you think the listeners would enjoy going to to learn more about vehicles?
1: Well, it depends on kind of what they're interested in. I mean, there's uh, you know, there's great club literature, depending on what car club or what car mark you're interested in. So I would definitely encourage listeners who love a particular mark to join the the club uh, of others that also enjoy those marks because you'll learn a ton mm-hmm. by by listening to other people. You'll also make new friends with a common and shared passion, and the bonding occurs there. So uh then you have resources that you could pick up the phone and call and ask a question where you're not sure about something but you, but you've run into somebody that knows more about a particular subject than you do. So that kind of network of people with a common interest is certainly valuable to to pursue so as a as a resource I would say finding uh affinity groups of people that uh, are interested in exactly the same thing you are makes a lot of sense.
0: Absolutely. How about a book? I know there are a lot of books out there, but is there one book recently that you've read you think that the Cars Out listeners would enjoy reading as well?
1: Uh, Well, uh, in terms of car lovers, uh, there was a book uh, published uh, about a year and a half ago of The 50 Years of Pebble Beach, uh, which is uh, is an extraordinary book in the sense that it recaps all of the winners and the background and history of those. So as a resource book. That's Mm -hmm. a great one. I'm a little biased on that subject since we published uh, five books on uh, French cars. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, obviously, I'm in love with my own stuff.
0: (laughs) I I hope so.
1: Uh, In terms of books just generally as opposed to car-related, I read a book recently uh, called Abundance, which is uh, a book about future of the world and whether we ought to have a positive take or a negative take about where we're going, Mm -hmm. and it is a book that explains why. There is no question we should have an extremely positive take on the world future, and I think it's a fantastic book to read and and digest.
0: Fantastic. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Peter shared with us at carjiacom slash Peter Mullen. And also regarding books, there's a great place on the website at Carjia yeah called Guest Recommended Books where Peter's books and all the other books are listed for quick, easy links. I'm going to grab a copy of that book. I would love to read it. Anything that has a, a positive outlook on the future has got to be a great read. So thank you for sharing that. All right. We are up to the checkered flag. This last question can be a real doozy especially for you. I'm real interested to hear how you answer this, Peter. If you could have only one collector car, yeah, I said one, in your collection, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with, that little trick's off the table. It's one car you got to keep and enjoy, but don't worry about the cost because I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that one vehicle be and why?
1: Well, the car that is my favorite car in the collection and the one I'd keep the last one I'd, that I'd let go, or the first one I'd acquire, is a teardrop Talbot Lago. Mm. Uh, that's a those are cars from the late 1930s. Probably nine of them in the world today, but it's the absolute essence of combination of sculptural beauty, engineering, and speed. Lama participants uh every angle is a complex curve there's no bad angle on the car it's a kind of organic piece of sculpture mm-hmm. so for me it's the most beautiful car ever designed and built and the one i would prize for the most
0: wow it is beautiful oh gosh that car you you've chosen a great one well peter you've taken me and our listeners on a great ride today i've really enjoyed your stories i want to thank you for sharing your journey with us Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that teardrop Talbot Lago?
1: Well, for car lovers, I would encourage them to uh, think carefully before you restore a car. An original car is only original once, and I think in the U.S. we have a tendency to restore early and over-restore, and... Europe can teach us a lesson on this, which is uh, celebrate and prize originality Mm. and be careful and think carefully before you undertake uh, changing uh, originality in favor of uh, new fabric or new colors or something.
0: Right. Very wise advice. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Mullen Automotive Museum?
1: Well, our website, as you mentioned, we put on the website a lot of material so the people that can't visit Oxnard can kind of do a virtual visit by by visiting our website. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I would encourage people to uh, take a look at that.
0: Fantastic. And I would, too. I love your website, as I mentioned before. The creative genius behind it, I think, makes it really a special visit. It's very different, very unique from the way the first opening page opens and transpires into this kind of blueprint drawing thing. So kudos to you and your team for what you guys have done there. Listeners, you can find links to everything we've talked about today, again, at CarsYad.com. Just put Peter, Peter in the search bar, and his show notes page will pop right up. Peter, thanks again for taking some time out today to spend with me. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise and your experience with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks. I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up!